hello hello hey how's it going good how are you i'm good i'm good i am i can't tell if i'm cold or hot right now but that's just <laughs> a constant state of mine yeah so you know we'll just it'll be okay we'll roll with it yeah that's kind of where i'm at um <sighs> yeah i was telling you this a little bit earlier by a little bit earlier i mean like 30 seconds ago but i'm gonna butcher all of these names um because we're back to international serial killers Hmm. You know how it be. I don't know how oh, to say yeah. things in other languages. <laughs> I barely know how to say things in English at this point, so <laughs> we're gonna do our best. Um, Perfect. It'll be okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think this person is very well known. I could find like maybe two articles. All of them were in Dutch, so nice. Some of the translations that I got are also maybe a little bit off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of times where I was like, it could be either of these two things, and I'm not really sure which one. <laughs> but um yeah without further ado let's get right into it i'm sonia i'm maddie welcome to crim Woo! So today we're going to be talking about Adri Mondria, who goes by the name Alt, like A-A-L-T. And he was born on May 9th, 1956, and was nicknamed Alt M by the media. He was born in Kampen, um, but ended up growing up in Volenhof. Again, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering every single name that I'm saying. <laughs> um, my, my apologies. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we don't know a ton about his early life, but we do know that he did start his, what I would call a criminal legacy early on in life. I'm not sure if that's a direct translation of anything, but I thought it was a really good way to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah, Criminal legacy, you know, just a little. (laughs) Fun little terminology. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Um, yeah, so when he was 20 years old in... 1976, he was addicted to drugs and described as very paranoid. This was either a result of a mental disorder or because of the drugs, possibly both. Mm. You never know. Yeah. Um, So he ended up threatening someone, and because of this, they went to trial and everything, and he received four months a sentence in a treatment clinic. There, he was a super unmanageable patient. He ended up destroying a lot of property and then escaped, as you do. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know. (laughs) He was then eventually taken back into the clinic and then escaped again in 1978. All right. Wait, so... He really didn't want to be there. How long was he there for in total? It was... So in total, he was supposed to be there for four months, and then he ended up escaping and then was brought back. So I think he was put there in 1976, and the second time he escaped was in 1978. So a period of time between there, about a year, maybe a little bit more, and then he escaped a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I said, I didn't find a ton of information about this person. The couple of articles were all in Dutch and not super informative. So I just went with it because it was on my schedule. And, you know, I'm a 
stickler for things that I've written down, I guess. Love it. I was like, oh, it's too late to change now. <laughs> and then I just went with it. Um, so here we are. Here we are. But yeah. So after he escaped this clinic in 1978, he went into hiding. And the place that he went into hiding was his girlfriend's apartment. Her name was Hilda. And this was in Amsterdam. And the thing that really shocked me was that he that he was 20 at this point, oh, a little wow. bit older than 20, 22 maybe, you know, like 21, 22, that, that age. Mm-hmm. Um, she was 17. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I said. I was like, that, the age difference isn't too big. It's so like, the fact that she was 17 when it started. Yeah, the age itself is the yeah. problem. The age itself is the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he and his girlfriend were a little bit, a little bit psycho. Oh, it's no. just a little. They were living at her apartment. And of course, you know, when you live in an apartment, you have like a landlord, a landlady. Mm-hmm. I don't know what possessed them to do this, but they decided to assault their landlady. And in this attack, she became permanently paralyzed, unfortunately. Oh, my God. Which is horrible because, like, like I just, she's, like, living with this permanent reminder. Yeah. Of what they did to her. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is horrifying. Um, And they, of course, didn't stay to help. They didn't stay to call an ambulance. They didn't feel an ounce of remorse they ended up flying or fleeing to um north brabant um on july 30th 1978 they entered the small town of hoven um this was a sunday evening and they decided that they were in a neighborhood and they didn't know that they could do anything else like a normal person and they picked a house at random they were like oh, this seems like a good house, and they decided to rob it. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, this was at 7 Julianestraat, which I'm thinking is the street name, but, like, one word. Mm. Um, on July 30th, 1978, they rang the bell, and the, uh, the residents of this home were an elderly couple, um, the Rijnos, and their 38-year-old daughter. And they answered the door, and unfortunately, he was in some state where he just decided that he was going to kill everyone. Not a good state to be in. No, no, it's not. Um, this happened, like I said, on on the Sunday evening. Um, they were arrested later on, and it was revealed that they did indeed kill these three individuals for money. Um, they left their house with less than 10 guilders, which was the currency at the time, and I think it added up to literally $10. Oh my god. They fully they fully killed three people over $10. Yeah, that and, is just beyond. Like, honestly, if, if someone came up to me and was like, give me $10, I would just give them the money. Like, that's $10. Yeah. A life is worth more than ten dollars. It definitely is worth more than ten dollars. Like I, it's, and it, the worst part is that like it's such like a random thing. Yeah. So like you're not safe. Yeah. Is the thing that really stood out to me. I'm like, when when it's a pre-planned attack, I think I'm always like, okay, well like you have a profile, you have like 
a set of people that you go after. Mm-hmm. But then this is just random. This is like you see someone and you're like, I'm just going to kill them. Yeah. Like, for what reason? Yeah. Just, like, opportunity. Just, yeah. Seizing that. Yeah. It's horrifying. Awful opportunity. Yeah. Um, the next day, the Monday, July 31st, 1978, their son came home in the morning from home because he was meant to help paint the house. And he ended up finding his entire family. He actually, when he first came to the house, he saw smoke curling up from the windows and he realized that the door was locked, so somehow got inside and unfortunately found his father and mother and sister in the hallway with their skulls smashed in and various stab wounds all over their bodies. Oh my god. Um, as probably inferred by the smoke, the house was also set on fire. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. All right. Um, did they do that immediately after? Um... I don't think immediately after. I think they ended up robbing the place and then setting the fire because this was the next morning, like early morning. Okay. When he came in and saw the smoke. Yeah. So it was 78-year-old Giannis Runvos, his 68-year-old wife, Tanya, and their 38-year-old daughter, Riet. Um, There were no other witnesses to what happened, and I guess he described it as that he was in a blind rage and decided to kill everyone in the house. Um, yeah and I mean this was a huge shock to the community as well like like who would even who would even do something like that yeah to them that's ridiculous um and I think it was especially bad for this community after he and his girlfriend were arrested because it was literally a tenor that they killed three people for yeah and the entire community was fully like I don't blame them at all but they were very shaken up yeah Understandably so. Um, They did end up arresting him and his girlfriend, and for the three murders, he was sentenced to 15 years in prison with TBS. Um, And I'm actually, I'm going to take a little side note here, a little break in the true crime, if you will, to describe TBS, because when I was reading about it, I thought it was very interesting, the entire system. Um, Do you know what it means? I do not. Okay, so TBS is an abbreviation for, I'm so sorry for my butchering, Ter Beschling Stelling. Um, I definitely said that 100% wrong. <laughs> um, but the literal meaning in English is making a person available for psychiatric treatment. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so it is, it's kind of like when we talk about the prison system, it's the part of that that's like focused on reforming mm-hmm. the person. It's kind of like, this measure that a judge can take who on like on people who have committed a serious crime and who have been declared insane like either in like entirety or in part um so for a crime that could be anything from murder to assault to arson um, armed robbery child pornography etc um when determining if someone may undergo tbs the judge takes into account the interests of everyone involved including the victim, the perpetrator, and, of course, the society. In a lot of cases, the offenders cannot fully be blamed for the crimes that they've committed because if they suffer from, like, a personality disorder or a serious psychiatric disorder. So I think the main thinking behind it is that there's a risk that if they just went to prison and they were released from prison, there's a very high chance that they would repeat the offense Mm -hmm. because, like, you're not getting the appropriate mental care. Yeah. 
you're just being locked up, which really makes a lot of sense to me, is that you yeah. really have to treat the problem if you want to fix what happened. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of why they say it's really important for someone to serve time as well as undergo TBS. Yeah, I that I, I like that. I fully yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. And I think it does also require a full psychiatric examination of the um, uh, like suspect, mm-hmm. um, perpetrator. Yeah, like you know the person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and the judge can only impose TBS on said perpetrator if it is certain that they have a mental disorder, or something like, like addiction or like an intellectual disability or something like that. So it's very, it's very like by the book. You can't just fake it. Mm-hmm. Which is, I know a lot of people. I'm not sure how common it is, but I do hear a lot about cases being like pleading insanity. Yeah. And they try to get a lesser sentence for that. And it's like they're not, they don't have anything like mentally wrong with them. They're just trying to like get off. Yeah. On exactly. a lighter sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really the thing here. Um, they, there are very specific criteria for someone to go through TBS. They have to have a disorder that. Ha- that can be partially blamed for their actions so like something like um, borderline personality, Asperger's, psychosis um, certain psychiatric disorders it could even be like addiction or something uh, like along that line and in that case they would send the person to rehab okay. so it's very much focused on reformation mm-hmm. and like the, the thing is to like not punish addicts for being addicted the punishment is for committing the crime mm-hmm. so it's like they need to treat the problem first. Yeah, makes a lot Which of makes sense. Makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the entire thing about TBS, like there is TBS with conditions, like it's a lighter form of TBS, um, where you're not required to be admitted to a clinic, but you have to follow these rules. Or there's like a TBS with conditions, which is like a little bit more strict, so you have to go into the treatment and everything. And that has like more rules, like no drugs, no alcohol, frequent checks, like checkups and everything. Um, so there are a ton of more um, like details and rules and regulations that are actually very interesting if you would like to know more. Um, I did get all of this information from the Dutch Review, so the article will be linked in the description of the podcast if you are interested in, in knowing more. Um, I do suggest reading it. It was quite interesting. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, but in any case, back to, back to our true crime. Um, it quickly did become apparent that um, Mondria had a mental disorder, and so when he was in prison, like, he couldn't be treated properly for it, so they ended up transferring him from the prison that he was at to Van Mestag Clinic um, in order so that he could get, like, more comprehensive psychiatric care, which was necessary because, like, his actions definitely displayed someone who needs that help mm-hmm. um, unfortunately for a lot of the people working there it can be quite dangerous I think if you're working with criminals who have mental disorders mm-hmm. um, and for his social work in particular it was quite dangerous he did end up taking his social worker hostage twice oh my force. god um, I'm not sure what he wanted to accomplish by doing this mm-hmm. but that is what he did that's horrifying <laughs> yeah absolutely because like can you imagine just trying to help someone and yeah. then they take you hostage I was gonna say I feel like that's the scariest thing is that you're like trying to help someone and they're just trying like you know they're not really 
letting you. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, from the treatment center, he got con- in contact with this crime reporter called mm. Peter R. Devres, and he sent this man a manuscript of his life entitled Entrusted to the Devil. Hmm. Um, I don't know what he's glorifying, but I don't condone it. Yeah. In any way. Um, in 1998, he was allowed what was called a trial leave. I think we would call it probation. Okay. Um, and so during said leave, he was allowed to go out and about. He was allowed to, like, be a part of society again. And the idea was that maybe he would be reformed. Um, he was not. Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm guessing he was not, because the story is still going. <laughs> no, he was not reformed in the slightest. Oh, he no. got into a fight with three men, and this was in a cafe in Zwall, and I guess somehow he got a semi-automatic firearm, Oh. and he shot them. Okay. He just decided that that would be good for him somehow, mm-hmm. after just being in prison. Yeah, not really following the line of thought. No, he fled the scene, mm-hmm. but was eventually caught and then sent right back into the TBS clinic. Yeah. Because he should not be allowed on the streets at all. Mm-mm. Um, he, so while he was in this clinic, he decided to place a personal ad in the paper. This was in 1995. Um, and it said, quote, Man... 39 years, psychologically totally destroyed by psychiatrists, psychologists, and sociologists, not aggressive, depressed, etc., seeks a woman who thinks she can help him. End quote. Oh my god. (laughs) That's what I said. He's looking for a woman to fix him because that's what a woman's job is to just fix men. Yeah, that's literally (sighs) the exact same reaction I had. I was like, this is. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> Literally. Absolute bullshit. Um, oh, God. But I guess there are some women who do feel that savior complex, so she did. Yeah. There was a woman who responded to him. Oh, no. Uh, her name was Annalise. She was 30 at the time. And he was still in the clinic while they were. Well, he put this ad in the paper while she responded to the ad. And they started talking on the phone. And eventually, after like months of conversations and talking, they eventually started dating. Um, a year after he placed this ad in 1996 he was allowed a residential leave and he moved into her house it was her and her 10 year old son with him oh no a child yeah, it, it gets him? worse it gets so much worse oh, like God. It, it gets bad um, because that's kind of when their relationship went badly um, Annalise would later declare in court that this is kind of where Google Translate has failed me. Either she had to abuse her son because of him, or he abused her son. Okay. Um, it Honestly, knowing the rest of the story, like, you would think it would be the latter. Like, you would think you'd lean towards the latter because of just mm-hmm. what we know about him as a person. But it could also be the former, It, which is honestly more terrifying, I think. Yeah. Um, but it is plausible that it was the former. Um, yeah, so when he got this, he got, he then got this message about from the probation service that he had to report back to the clinic and I'm not sure exactly what it was for, but he didn't like that. I don't think. 
and he forced her and her son to flee with him. Oh, no. Yeah, so it was 7 o'clock in the evening. The telegram said that he had to report to the t- back to the TBS clinic, quote-unquote, because of disturbed messages from society. Hmm. So, I mean, personally reading that and then knowing what we know about him and about the fact that there was abuse going on there, I think it might have been because of that, that someone yeah. called in and was like, this is not supposed to be what is happening in this house over here. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And this is where it kind of gets really bad. Um, he was in Zwoll on March 6, 1997, when he murdered Annalise's 10-year-old son. <gasps> oh, my God. Um, he said that he thought her son was a nuisance and would only bring misery to society <gasps> and then blamed him for having to return to the clinic. Oh? Oh my god, I did not see that coming. Neither did I, and I was, like... Like, his murders were all over the place. Yeah. Which is also horrifying. Um, but this is just, like... He was 10. Yeah, that's really sad. He he didn't deserve that. Um, and I am going to tell you what happened, because I did find a little bit about that. I will warn you right now, it's it's not good. It's yeah, not good is... at all. It's really, really horrifying. Yeah, like trigger warning for violence Everything. against children. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff. Um, this is what was reported, and like I said, in- incredibly sad. It was a horrific experience. Um, what was reported was that they all got off of the train at the station's wall station, and they walked towards this animal shelter. Um, apparently, he didn't make a sound. He was so terrified. Um, Alt made him lie face down on a bench, and I guess Annalise sat down on his legs and was like kind of stroking his back for a while. Um, and again, this could be a, communi- a Google Translate miscommunication, but what I got from this was that they both were there, and they both were with him for a little bit mm-hmm. on this bench. Uh, Alt then took the scarf that he was wearing and tied it around Annalise's son's neck and together they choked him oh he yeah 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 um he didn't die immediately Alt said I guess that the kid is the devil's child and then ended up beating Annalise in what was described as um even so so Alt beat um, sorry, Elise is her name? Yes, Annalise. Oh, Annalise. So he beat her after unsuccessfully strangling this child? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then it, if you can believe it, gets even worse. Um, he kind of like picks up her son and put him face down into this ditch to drown him. <gasps> And he was still alive at that point? Yeah, because oh he didn't die mm-hmm. when they tried to choke him before. Um, horrific. Yeah. Horrifying. Absolutely disgusting in every single way possible. Oh my god. Yeah. It's just, it's really just disgusting is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two of them left for Amsterdam to spend the night there, and I believe he left later that night. Because the next day, Annalise reported this 
whole incidents to um, the police, the Amsterdam police. And they started this investigation into um, Alt Mondria, uh, describing him as an extremely fierce criminal. Um, I believe that she also did confess to aiding him in killing her son. Yeah. Um, So Alt was kind of missing at the time. He, like, left, uh, fled. So there was a search message that was sent out with the text, um, quote, extreme fire hazard, don't approach him, contact the police immediately, end quote. The next day, he did end up surrendering to the railway police, and initially he did confess to the murder. He then retracted his entire statement. Um, But he was caught. He was caught and he was taken to court, and on September 11th, 1997, he was sentenced to life imprisonment by the court in Swole. In court at the end of the session that he actually insisted that he had nothing to do with the murder and that it was all her. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was an appeal on June 3rd, 1998, and the charge was changed from murder to manslaughter, so the sentence was reduced to 18 years. How? I don't How know. How was that appeal? Okay. There's just... <sighs> I, I don't know, but it really shouldn't have been, honestly. Yeah. But I guess during this trial, um, he claimed that he was the victim of a conspiracy against him by both Annalise and the jury. I'm not so sure about that, bud. <laughs> I'm not either. And I do want to mention here that the jury decided that Annalise was also was a victim of Almandria. So even though she did aid in killing her own 10-year-old son... Mm-hmm. She got three to six years. I'm not actually positive. This is another Google Translate thing. Um, I don't exactly know how long she got. I think it was between three and six years. Okay. Um, but she was imprisoned, so I don't know how she can be part of a conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a lawsuit filed on January 30th, 2003 that was concerning an extension of his imprisonment, and it kind of found that he was very aggressive, mainly due to isolation um, in, like, his cell, like, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is that I see with that is that um, he was very aggressive when he was out in society as well. Yeah. Like, he was interacting with people. He's just been, like, consistently aggressive, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure that's mm-hmm. the problem. Exactly. So he... But basically, he, he did have a mental condition, so he suffered from, like, delusions and was very, very paranoid. Um, and then they, were, like, renewed this request a bit later, and I guess in court, he, like, took his pants off to show, like, these holes from injections on his body that he thought were happening to him. Again, very paranoid. Yeah, um, were, were there no injections at all? I don't think so. Yeah, that's um, not good. Yeah. According to an expert from the clinic where he was imprisoned, like they said, he was probably untreatable and would therefore unlikely be released ever again. Wow. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it only took them, what, like releasing him three times to figure that out? Yeah. They could have just kept him in prison and there would be a lot more people alive. Yeah. Um, in February 2007, his, extent- his sentence was extended for the fourth time. Um, this time it was another two years. And then on September 28th, 2011, he died from untreated hepatitis C. Mm. 
And so I know that that is kind of an unsatisfying end because, like, I know he was in prison and jail and everything, but he did a lot of bad things. Um, mm-hmm. He did some really, really terrible things. Um, but that is the very abrupt ending of this story for you. Wow. Wow, it is correct. <laughs> <laughs> this person was not a good individual. No. And I hate to say it, but I'm not upset that he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a ride. It, it certainly was. Um, it certainly, certainly was. Yeah. You know that. You know the deal. I get traumatized from reading an article, <laughs> and then I, I just need to share it with you. Perfect. That's just how it works. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So. <sighs> My thoughts on him are basically that he should have been imprisoned way earlier, <laughs> and he yeah. shouldn't have been let out. Yeah. I mean, like, I I understand the, like, sentiment of rehabilitation. Like, I honestly, Mm -hmm. I um, buy into that more than just punishment. Oh, same. I think it works as well if you do it right. But some people like him just maybe are not treatable. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think some people are are beyond that help. Yeah. Yeah. You can try and give them help, but if they don't want it. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. Exactly. Which is sad, but yeah. It is. Yeah. Do you have any <laughs> life updates for us? Because I really just like to make your life harder. <laughs> well, this upcoming week is midterms week for me, which. Oh. Yeah, not probably going to be that oh, fun. Oh, God. But no. um, after my midterm tomorrow, I'm going to I'm gonna go to Trader Joe's as a little celebration <laughs> as you should trader joe's is where it's at get Honestly. yourself some, some nice food i've decided i'm just gonna shop at trader joe's from now on because the vibes are just way better they are way better i fully support this yeah i love it there <laughs> hell yeah um but yeah that's it for me i think just trader joe's and midterms <laughs> good updates good updates um, oh yeah. My updates are going to be way more boring. I <laughs> have only been doing work. Yeah, you stress me out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They said third year was hard, but they didn't say it was this hard. And oh, no. I think my PT is out to get me. So oh, no. that's where we're at. Oof. I don't recommend it. School is a lot of work <laughs> and it's not worth it. And I'll be joining you next semester, probably, because you already Excellent. convinced me of that. Excellent. Before it was too I can't late. wait to be in pain with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We'll have our other friend here. We'll all just... I mean, if you're taking second year courses, you'll be totally fine. Second year was uh, great. I only wanted I looked... to die, like, three times. <laughs> I looked back at some of them, though, and it, it's mostly third year with a couple second year mixed in. Oh, so, yeah. good luck. <laughs> That'll yeah. be fun for you. Yeah. It's okay. We can all just pass away in the library together. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. That was it for me. Do you have any other life updates you would like to share? Or would you like to spiel us out? I can just spiel us out. Amazing. All right, so you can find us on Instagram at Grim Podcast. You can follow us, DM us, like our photos, and from our profile, there's a button to email us. You can email us at thegrimpodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, you can send us thoughts on stars we have covered or stories you want us to cover or life updates of your own. Um, we also have a Twitter, which is Podcast Grim, and a Facebook, which is Grim Podcast. And other than that, just leave us a good review and tell your friends and family about us. Yeah, and we will see you guys next week. Um, unsure about what we're going to cover. It may be a creepypasta. set. It may be mm-hmm. a paranormal story. It really just depends on if I can get my shit together, which is <laughs> unlikely. But, you know, we'll see what happens. We will see. We <laughs> That we will. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we will see you guys next week. Something will happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Bye. Bye.